As Charlie crawled in front of the flamingo, he instantly turned pink. The crowd erupted with gasps of astonishment. Next, he slithered in front of the zebra and turned striped. He disappeared in front of the black bear as he turned black, and then stopped halfway in front of the red howler monkey to become half black, half red. It was like magic. Welcome to the Epic Order of the Seven, the podcast, with your hosts, Max and Liz. This podcast is brought to you by Playful World Ministries. Max, Liz, and all the characters and adventures of the Epic Order of the Seven were created by and written by Jenny L. Cody. On today's episode, we'll hear Chapter 52 from the Ark, the Reed, and the Fire Cloud, and later we'll head to Jenny's corner and... Uh, apparently, she has some questions to ask me. Why, why does she want to ask me anything? Did, did, I, did I do something? or Did I forget to do something? Uh, uh, um, well, but first, we, we'd better turn things over to our real hosts. I mean, I'm <laughs> just the announcer, right? <laughs> they're the, they're, you know, they're the hosts. They're the, the real hosts. So, um, so here they are, um, Max and Liz. <coughs> well, thank you there, Mr. Nervous Nilly. Max here. And you know me kitty friend Liz, of course. Bonjour, mes amis. And bonjour, Monsieur Denis. How are you today? Why? W- w- what have you heard? Uh, pardon? Did, did Miss Jenny say something to you? About what? About me. What about you? Well, that's what I want to know. What are you sweating and threatening about, lad? Well, the, the Jenny's Corner segment later in the podcast. Uh... We oui, we do that every week, monsieur, uh, like we have for oh, 40 episodes in a row. I know, but, well, I always know ahead of time what we're going to be talking about, and this time she wants to ask you some questions, doesn't she? Yeah? Oh, we. Oui. I remember, remember, Max, the questions? <laughs> oh, aye, <laughs> the questions. What, 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 what questions? Oh, big questions. We important questions. Remember, uh, we talked about them in the production meeting. There was a production meeting? Aye, the production meeting. Big, big production meeting. All the big shots were there. We have big shots? Oh, we. All the big enchiladas. I never even got the memo about it. Uh, and, and now Jenny has a bunch of questions f- for me? Ah, no worries, lad. That's later on. First, we get to hear the story. And today, we hear one of my favorite chapters. And it should be. Ye and me bonny lass Kate cooked up some fun times for the animals then. And now, we get to share it with you. And then later, the questions for Monsieur. Ah, but right now, lad, ah, you'd better read the story, huh? And uh, you might want to do a good job today. Right. Chapter 52, Talent Night Several days later, Al was out for his morning banana run when he came by Peter and Pearl the polar bear's stall. Bogart Beaver was nearby, noisily building something across the corridor by the waterfall. Would it surprise you to know that Bogart is your cousin? Al asked the bears. Duh, this would be a surprise, Pearl replied watching Bogart. What makes you believe such a thing? Peter asked, not so sure about Al's information. His wife told me. Said he is two parts bear he is, Al explained. 
Liz happened to be walking by and overheard their conversation. Albert, dear, if I may correct you, Bev said Bugat was bipolar. She continued walking on. Al shrugged his shoulders and scratched his head. Isn't that what he just said? Down by the waterfall, Liz took a seat next to Kate on the other side of the rock where animals lined up. Behind the rock hung a web banner that the spiders had made. Talent show and dance, tomorrow night. Sign up here. A pair of frogs hopped away from the rock as Charlie slithered up. Good morning to you, Charlie, Kate said with a grin. She was so indebted to Charlie for saving Max's life. Her tail wagged as she greeted him. Good morning, lovely ladies, Charlie replied. Uh, Charles, your tail is better, n'est-ce pas? Liz asked. Charlie whipped his tail back and forth. I'd say I'm back to my usual self. If I may, I'd like to sign up for the talent show. And what is the talent of a snake? Liz asked, curious. A secret. You'll see what I can do tomorrow night. I'll need volunteers, though, to make this work, Charlie replied. Would you like to pick from the audience tomorrow night, or would you want us to help you find someone? Kate asked, eager to help this kind snake. She looked to the next animals in line and smiled at the guinea pigs. The guinea pigs stared back. I'll pick from the audience. I usually have better participation when it's spontaneous, Charlie explained as he bowed with courtesy before he slithered away. Tippin the Toucan served as the human watcher to ensure the humans were in bed for the night. She flew to the lower deck, accidentally hitting a beam next to where Liz sat. The toucan shook her beak to clear her head, smiled at Liz, and gave the word. All's clear, Liz. Merci, Tippin, Liz replied as she daintily walked to the center of the waterfall area and jumped onto a boulder. The murmur of animals fell to a hush as Liz assumed center stage. All the animals had come for this big event, including the wolves, who sat in the back of the crowd. Mes amis, I am pleased to welcome you to our first animal talent night and dance aboard the Ark. We have a bon nuit planned for you, so let the show begin. Liz said as she nodded to William the Frog, who hopped up on the rock where she stood. It is my delight to introduce our first performer, William the Frog, who will recite poetry. Juliette the Frog and James and Celeste the Crickets will provide musical accompaniment. Enjoy! Liz exclaimed as she lifted her petite paw in a gesture of welcome. The animals applauded as she walked over to join Al, Max, and Kate. A hum of music like the sound of strings slowly grew from the corridor as William the Frog took center stage. The crickets rubbed their legs together in harmony to create a crescendo of delightful music. William bowed low and long before standing upright and clasping his hands over his heart in thoughtful repose. He lifted high his head in dramatic form and began to recite poetry. Water, water, everywhere, and all the boards did shrink. Water, water, 
everywhere, nor any drop to drink. The many men so beautiful, and they all dead did lie, and a thousand thousand slimy things lived on, and so did I. Day after day, day after day, we stuck, nor breath, nor motion, as idle as a painted ship upon a painted ocean. Juliet started singing, echoing the lines of his poetry while William stood with head bowed. The crickets continued their musical accompaniment, smiling with delight as the sound of the creatures filled the air with perfect harmony. Meanwhile, Ada lay in bed, unable to sleep. She nudged Noah, who was fast asleep. Noah, do you hear that? She nudged him again. Noah begrudgingly opened his eyes, listened, and rolled over. Frogs and crickets, Ada, it's just the sounds of night, Noah replied, yawning and falling back to sleep. Ada sighed and put a blanket over her head to drown out the sound. <sighs> Frogs and crickets. After a short musical interlude, William continued. He prayeth well who loveth well, both man and bird and beast. He prayeth best who loveth best, all things both great and small. For the dear God who loveth us, he made and loveth all. William bowed low again to indicate his performance was complete. The animals all began to cheer quietly as they didn't want to wake the humans. Bravo, bravo, said the big white albatross seabirds. What a lovely poem. Magnifique, Liz exclaimed, clapping her dainty paws together. It was wonderful poetry. Don't you agree, Albel? Al sat there with a wrinkled brow. Uh, I don't know too much about fancy words and such. Sure, but I'm glad ye enjoyed it, me little lass. I do say that was quite exhilarating to recite prose to the Ark inhabitants. I hope all enjoyed the performance. Thank you ever so much, Liz, William said, bowing slightly in humble appreciation. But merci to you, William. Aptly chosen words, no? Pardon, while I introduce our next performer, Liz said, jumping up again on the boulder to take center stage. Liz looked to see Don Pedro and Duke setting up a long, low rail in front of the waterfall and nodded to Charlie. I see we are ready for our next act. Embrace yourselves, mes amis. We are not really sure what it is, but we do know he'll need volunteers. Ladies and gentlemen, Charles the Snake. Max perked up, along with Al. Aye, now this will be much more interesting than that poetry. Charlie will steal the show, Max hoarsely whispered. Charlie slithered up as the crowd applauded. Good evening, Bogart, Racket, if you two will take your place. The beaver and woodpecker took stage left, next to a pile of wood. Charlie slithered back and forth as he looked out over the audience. He smiled at the guinea pigs. 
I'm going to need a little help with this. So when I call your name, if you'll please come up and stand behind the rail. Charlie called a flamingo, a zebra, a black bear, a red howler monkey, a toucan, and Peter, the polar bear. Peter, I know being out of your arctic stall will be a little hot for you, but it will not be for long. Charlie continued, calling a peacock and a baboon. He whispered something to the baboon, who nodded as all the animals took their places behind the rail. Charlie slithered up the far left post and nodded to Bogart and Racket, who began a hip-hop percussion arrangement. He then started a slithering dance across the rail. As Charlie crawled in front of the flamingo, he instantly turned pink. The crowd erupted with gasps of astonishment. Next, he slithered in front of the zebra and turned striped. He disappeared in front of the black bear as he turned black, and then stopped halfway in front of the red howler monkey to become half black, half red. It was like magic. The animals cheered with delight and could not believe what they were seeing. Charlie then went in front of the toucan's bill and became multicolored. In front of Peter, he turned transparent white. Then the snake moved in front of the open feathers of the peacock and the crowd oohed and awed. How could he top this? They wondered. Awesome! That's truly amazing stuff! shouted Boomer the kangaroo. Sheila, did you see that? Sheila clapped her small hands with delight, amazed at what she saw. The fainting goat fainted. He was so startled at the sudden change. His legs were stuck up straight in the air as his wife rolled her eyes but cheered on the snake. Bogart and Racket picked up the beat and the animals got into the rhythm. Now Charlie sat still on the railing while the baboon danced a move in front of him. Charlie turned blue. The baboon spun around and Charlie turned brown. Blue, brown, blue, brown. The crowd started going wild, shouting and laughing. Noah snored loudly, much to Ada's dismay. She stared at the ceiling. The sounds of night. <sighs> she sighed, yanking the covers over her head. Liz once again took center stage, with Rico and Jacques joining her on the railing below. Other animals joined Bogart and Racket, who were still playing percussion. The raccoons, squirrels, and possums each held instruments fashioned from sticks, rocks, and spider webs. Liz motioned for the crowd to calm down so they could hear her. Merci, Charles. Uh, now you are in for a real treat, mes amis. Uh, grab your partner and get ready to, uh, how you say, do si do The audience laughed as Liz tried to abandon her French accent. Ladies and gentlemen, I present to you Jacques and Rico. Liz said as she jumped down from the boulder. The animals applauded wildly while the two birds nodded and bowed waiting for the noise to die down to complete silence. Then the two birds looked at one another and cleared their throats. The animal band waited for their cue as Rico started the dueling bird song a cappella. Jacques replied. 
Go, 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 go. Then the dueling birds really took off, with the animal band picking up the beat. The animals hit the floor with their partners. Everyone was having a marvelous time dancing. Liz stood to the side with Kate, growing concerned that the humans would surely wake to this noise. But there was little she could do now. Al came rushing up to them. Who voted to dance? Al asked. Just a moment, Albert, dear. Uh, I wish to make sure everyone is having a good time. Uh, Kate, why don't you dance with Al? Liz replied, gazing out at the animal pairs, filling the corridor. Are you sure you don't want to dance with your beau? Kate asked. Uh, you two go on. Have fun, mon ami, Liz encouraged. Al and Kate headed to the floor. Max walked up to Liz, smiling at all the dancing animals and chuckling at the scene of Al shaking his booty. He noticed that even the wolves were tapping their paws at the back of the corridor. You've done a bunny good job, lass. I tip me time to you, Max said, grinning wide. Liz sat there, suddenly serious, with a frown on her face. Her tail slowly moved back and forth. She didn't respond. Tis a success, Liz. No need to threat, then. Max encouraged, curious as to Liz's demeanor. Max, look around. It is a success. Everyone is dancing with their partner. With one exception. Liz said, gazing at one creature in particular. Max followed Liz's gaze. He hadn't noticed it before, but everyone had a partner. Except Charlie. That's right. Charlie's girl weren't there, were she? No, it uh, was a mystery. Much like our next segment. Aye. I wonder what Miss Jenny wants to ask our announcer lad then, huh? Oh, it could be anything. Anything. Okay, stop. All right, I, I, I'm sorry I missed the production meeting. And I... <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> We've been missing with you, lad. There wasn't a production meeting. I mean, come on, lad. Do we sound like we have production meetings? Monsieur, you make it so easy-peasy to tease you. So Miss Jenny doesn't have any questions for me? Well, why don't you ask her? Because now it's time to make that trip to Jenny's corner. Oh, boy. All right, you two. I can tell you're up to something. Well, Miss Jenny, we got a announcer lad here like you asked. So now you can ask him anything you want. Since we're focused on talent night on the Ark, I wanted to focus on the talents of someone who wasn't on the Ark, but sure helped the rest of us hear what it was like. Okay, who's that? Why, you, Monsieur Denis? Aye, you, lad. Are you a wee bit daft today? She wants to ask you questions about how you do what you do, mon ami. Oh, well, okay, fire away. As we told everyone on our last episode, our second audiobook has been completed. It was the first of my American Revolution series called The Voice, the Revolution, and the Key. And once again, Denny did the entire book with dialogue from about 150 characters. So I wonder if you could tell us how you approach such a daunting task like coming up with all these voices for people like George Washington and Patrick Henry and Benjamin Franklin. Well, with 
people like George and Ben, they're main characters, but they're not in every scene. And so I have to go a little bit by what I've seen them look like in pictures or what I picture them to be personality-wise. So like for Ben Franklin, we always see him on the $100 bill, if you <laughs> happen to have a $100 bill. And so he has, has the long hair and usually his bifocals, and so he, he looks like a professor. So I tried to give him a voice that would sound like an inventor, a, a professor, a, someone who's very intelligent and scientific. And so it came out a bit like that. Now with George Washington, um, he doesn't sound like his picture on the $1 bill or many pictures you've seen. But with George, it was like I went by personality. He was a big man, six foot two, broad-shouldered, big guy, and he was large and in charge, okay? He was, he was a commander. So I tried to give him a commanding voice, something like that. So I tried to go with personality as well as looks. How did you come up with Patrick Henry? Well, Patrick Henry, when I started reading some of his speeches, I, I thought he has a great command of what's going on when he's talking to a group of people. And he has a manner about him that was very deliberate. And I gave him sort of a covered tone of his voice. And so that he could be slow and careful in his words and then build the energy and excitement because that's what he does in his speeches. So, yes, I gave him a bit of a William Shatner voice and just kind of dialed it back a little bit from the Jim Kirk we know and tried to keep him sounding in command of his words more than in command of troops like General Washington was. So Nigel was also a new voice for this audiobook because he was not in The Ark, the Reed, and the Fire Cloud. Nigel makes his debut in book two of my series, The Dreamer, The Schemer, and The Robe. So when Denny was getting ready to record Nigel, he asked me, now what do you envision Nigel's voice to be like? And I immediately said, I have a voice crush on Stuart Varney, <laughs> who does the Fox Business segment every morning on the Fox Business Channel. I just love his voice. I could sit and listen to it all day. And so, Denny, what did you do to capture his voice and make it Nigel Varney? Yes, Nigel was a challenge because, as you said, you wanted just a certain kind of British voice, and Stuart Varney is kind of that voice that you were talking about. So, in this case, I went to some Fox News clips of Stuart Varney giving his monologues on TV, and I started learning some things about his cadence, his voice, his manner. And I realized that when he's on the air, everything he says is emphatic. It's important. And of course, it's a British accent as well. No. Now he's, I've realized as I listen to him, you know, there are certain sounds that British people make that Americans have changed. And there's three major ones. And he still does two out of three, very British. He does one that's rather American. And that is the A sound, the ah. We say ah, most British people say ah, like answer instead of answer. But Stuart Varney's been in America long enough that he says answer, answer. He still gets the R like a British person, but he says the A like an American. So it was a lot of fun doing research on voices like this to try to make it sound just right. Well, I'd say there's a lot of voicing going on, and it's just going to continue. And I can't wait for Denny to get started on the next book, but you're a bit tired, I know, Denny. So take your time. We'll get going on the Declaration, the Sword, and the Spy as soon as we can. Oh, thank you so much, Miss Jenny. Well, monsieur, that wasn't so bad, was it? No, really, I'm actually quite flattered. Well, I'm glad that was settled then. 
Now we need you to wrap things up for this episode and uh, do it like we talked about in the production meeting. But I wasn't there. (laughs) (laughs) There wasn't a meeting. Again, Max, easy peasy to teasy. (laughs) Bless your heart, monsieur. Fine. Okay, next time, uh, we'll find that talent nights and dances aren't quite enough to keep everybody happy on the Ark. Suspicious events around the Ark have its residents, well, suspicious. Did I say that right? Uh, Suspicious events around the Ark have its residents, well, suspicious. Can Liz's rational thinking win out over knee-jerk emotions like, like I have a tendency to do? We'll see next time. Once again, the Epic Order of the Seven, the podcast, is produced by Playful World Ministries, and The Ark, The Reed, and The Fire Cloud was written by Jenny L. Cody. To purchase your copy of The Ark, The Reed, and The Fire Cloud on audiobook, log on to audible.com. And for all the amazing books by Jenny L. Cody, the entire collection of The Epic Order of the Seven, log on to Jenny's website, www.epicorderofthe7.com. That's epicorderofthe7.com. See you next time on the Epic Order of the Seven, the podcast. And I'm Denny Brownlee. Thanks for joining us. Have a grand day. And don't forget your production meetings. Oh, ha, ha.